Hi, I'm Penny Spikins, archaeologist at the University of York, specialising in human origins. And I'm Dorothea Debus, also from the University of York, specialising in the philosophy of mind. And you're listening to The Story of Things, a podcast about the meaning of everyday objects from the past and present that help us explain the world we live in. about how objects carry quite complex meaning for us. They might comfort us, they might remind us of people we care about, and in that, in a way that's nothing like other animals. So today we're going to take an evolutionary perspective. We're going to ask why objects came to mean so much and how looking at the distant past can help us understand our relationships to objects today. And I see that you've brought something uh, along here. Uh, it's right in front of us. Looks like a big lump of stone. I assume you want to illustrate something here. Tell us, what's that? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look very special, does it? In fact, it's making it looking a little bit messy right in front of us now. Um, actually, this is a really important object. You see, this lump of stone is actually an ancient hand axe. If you look at it, you can see it's got really sharp edges down both sides. And actually, it's been very carefully crafted to have a point at the top and actually to be quite symmetrical. Now, this artefact has been lent to us today very kindly by the York Museum. It's a hand axe. It's at least 70,000 years old and probably much more like half a million years old. Wow. That's quite old. So <laughs> what were these objects used for? What's, what, what did they do with this hand axe? Well, actually, it's what's interesting about it is when we think back to those distant times, what that means is that the person, if we can even call them a person who made this, wasn't really entirely human. They weren't very much like us today. They were much more robust. They certainly weren't the same species. It may have been Homo heidelbergensis or perhaps a Neanderthal that made this hand axe. It was different from us. However, um, if you look at it, you can see that they had some understanding of aesthetics. Um, they wanted to make this object in a particular way, which is actually quite hard for them to do. It takes a lot of skill and practice and above all, patience to make a hand axe that's aesthetically pleasing and symmetrical like this. Now I bet you're thinking that this is a weapon huh? Because it <laughs> looks pretty, pretty looks solid and pretty yeah. scary and pretty dangerous. Yeah. Um, I thought if I told you it's a weapon I'm sure you'd believe me but actually <laughs> hand axes weren't weapons. We know that what they were used for was for cutting meat from carcasses. Um, so people will have used it after they've killed an animal for cutting up meat and sharing things. Um, and it seems to have been important to them uh, to have made them in a certain way, in a way that the form became pleasing to other people. And so basically they used this to cut meat, but they also wanted it to look nice. Exactly. Is that the idea? Okay. And we first see this happening from about two and a half million years ago. So that's a really long time in the distant past. And that's where our very distant ancestors first made stone tools um, with a form that was difficult to produce and went well beyond function um, and was in some ways pleasing to those people around them. Well, that's really interesting because you would think 
all you'd care about is to use it, right? So you wouldn't care about what it looks like. Why do you think did they care about that? Why well, exactly. To make what it is it easy? that, why would they care about Well, you know, there is an old theory. It's called sexy hand axe theory. <laughs> and that theory is the kind of nicer and bigger uh, you made your hand axe, it would make you attractive to the opposite sex. And people here were thinking men making hand axes to impress women. Well, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm not so impressed in that way by that hand axe. Um, I think that's much more likely to show other kind of things about you, that you were actually quite patient. It takes quite a lot of skill and quite a lot of hard work and understanding to make a hand axe in this way. And also that you showed, at least on some level, some concern for others, some understanding of how other people might have felt when they looked at this object. So in a way, these are one of the first sets of artefacts um, that are doing that kind of something special for us. They mean more than just a practical thing. And what's more, what's interesting about handbags is um, they have a really lasting effect. These objects are still here. You know, there are hundreds of them in the museum. There are hundreds of them in other museums because they were quite robust. They last a long time and the impression they're making lasted a long time in the past as well. So do they all look the same then, these hundreds of objects in these museums? Well, that's a really interesting question because actually they were made to a kind of form that people were trying to make. And so whilst I say that we can look at hand axes and say, this reminds me of myself, I can hold the hand axe, I can see how it's been made. I could make a hand axe myself and understand the thought processes and I can see their concern for aesthetics. What's quite interesting is that they were made in very similar shapes for over a million years. So these people aren't quite like us, are they? Can we even imagine a million years of time making a very similar artefact? Mm. Um, interestingly as well, they're not only made of stone. They're almost always made of stone, but not only uh, made of stone. We found elephant bone hand axes from around one and a half million years ago. Uh, and they're hardly useful at all. And we think that they were made because elephants were somehow quite important to people at the time, even that far back in the past. So these are artefacts um, that were made for something that isn't necessarily functional yeah, and had something that had a deeper meaning. So then... These tools look quite crude, but you are telling me that they are about more than just survival, right? Yeah, I think so. Of course, um, being able to make a, a better tool will mean that you're, which is more efficient and worked better, can help you survive. But these also seem to be something about relationships. On the one hand, perhaps something about relationships to elephants that I talked about, but also about relationships between people. Um, from around 80,000 years ago, we begin to see a development of these relationships because we see gifts being made and exchanged. So uh, we begin to see that um, the way in which people felt connected to each other was expressed even more significantly by making gifts um, and going to visit people uh, and giving them. For example, we can say that modern hunter-gatherers like the Kung can spend about a third of their time visiting distant friends and about 80 days a year making gifts for them. 80 days a year? 80 that days a year. A now, lot. these people can wow. barely survive yeah. in the environment they're in. So why yeah. do they care yeah. about gifts? Why are they putting so much investment in objects? Yeah. Actually, it seems nonsense. 
However, we found that their distant friends willingly support them through famines. So by making and giving gifts, they've created all these links and support networks which actually help them survive. And of course, they don't think of it in those terms. They're human like us and they think, oh, I'll, I'll go and give someone a gift. But actually, special objects can also be about survival in these terms. So you're oh. saying that they made hand access as gifts as well? They might have done. Right. We don't know. Actually. I mean, they travel some way from their source, but yeah. we only know objects that were definitely gifts if we're talking about beads and things yeah. that you know are not used for anything useful. Yeah. yeah? yeah. But that's a very good question. Yeah. Often in small-scale hunter-gatherer societies, actually what's interesting is that it's not about keeping things, but giving them away, which can be important. So whilst we look at objects and we think how much we feel about it, also we often express our feelings to other people by giving them things, maybe something we've made or that means a lot to us. So are you saying then that our having this special relationship to some objects um Um, it's like more than a million years old really so we've had special relationships to objects for a very very long time well I think so I think so um, it might even be more than a million years old we can certainly see some interesting glimmers and it's only that of something special happening with objects in our nearest living relatives the chimpanzees now we have a shared ancestor with chimpanzees who lived about seven to eight million years ago so we can imagine chimpanzee ancestors going on one line of an evolutionary tree and us our ancestors on another but chimpanzees at kibali national park in uganda have been shown to use sticks like dolls so they cradle them and take them into their nest Now, do they, are they imagining that that's an infant or not? We don't know because we can't ask them what they're thinking. But those sticks have become special to them, haven't they? Uh, and we've recently found chimpanzees at four sites in West Africa who accumulate stones at the base of trees by throwing these stones into the base of the tree as some kind of display. And that's really exciting because it seems a bit like kind of cairns that we find even today. If you go walking on the mountainside, you might take some stones and just add them to a cairn and they're doing something similar. But of course, we don't know. We can't ask them what those objects mean. But certainly in our nearest relatives um, and in some other glimmers in other animals, we can see a tiny glimmer of what becomes in us something that takes over much of our lives. Of course, since all their friends are with them most of the time, perhaps chimpanzees never needed special objects. And perhaps humans in our ancestry, as we moved around and we had larger distance connections, needed those objects to help us forge relationships with people. And we can imagine that through time, of course, our relationships with things must have got more and more complicated uh, in our ancestral past. Hmm. So do you think gift giving is really something that does mark us out as different then? Well, it does seem to be, doesn't it? That people have, uh, that things that we give to people somehow stand in for us or we have objects that people have given to us and it's almost, it's not quite like the person's there but it's almost like the person's there. We have that capacity to see through an object to someone who uh, loved or cared about us which is something we'll talk about Uh, a lot more next week when we look at my brooch. Um, so certainly it seems so from our earliest emotional relationships with objects in the distant past where there can hardly have been any special objects in people's lives but just a few, our relationships with objects have become really complicated. Objects can comfort us like people or they can seem to have a life history of their own 
or their own personality or story, uh, which we'll look at um, over the next episodes as well. So it could be uh, that hand axes, rather than being all about impressing a mate, might even be the first signs of a kind of truly human level of patience and care that we express in things around us. And that's really interesting because in a way spending a lot of time working on the object makes the object it is, but it also then bears these traces of someone having spent all this time and engaged with the object, right? So in a way the object, the relationship between the um, person who's working on the object and the object becomes much more intensive than it would be if there was less patience being spent on the object and less work being spent on the object. So somehow then the object bears the traces of the person's work and patience. So somehow the person who works on the object shapes the object, but then the object also bears something off the person right to us right here. So in a way, it's kind of cool to look at this hand axe and to think that these traces here, these, these chips, are really the result of some person way back when, I don't know, 200,000 years ago or whatever, having really chipped away at this stone. That's yeah. quite amazing. And it's probably more amazing... Um, given that you think that there's someone who's been working on it a long time, rather than if you just knew that someone knocked off a piece somewhere once. But no, as you tell the story, someone's been working on this kind of patiently and, and for a long time, really. And that, that's, that's quite amazing. Yeah, and when, when we touch that object, it's almost as if we've made a connection um, to that person in the distant past. We find, for example, you remember Darwin on his voyage of the Beagle to Tierra del Fuego. Well, what's really surprising is that, of course, they gave away gifts to the indigenous people. But the sailors were kind of shocked because what people did with them was to tear them up into pieces, divide them up and share everything out between everybody. So a jacket, for example, was torn into small pieces so everybody could have a part. And that's kind of a reflection of the fact that it's not the thing itself, but the act of giving it away that seems to be important in many Yeah, that's very cool, because really the object then is destroyed in a way, right? So the jacket Absolutely. doesn't work as a jacket anymore. So um, you would think if you rip off the sleeves, you haven't got a jacket anymore, so why do you do that? But then really that seems to emphasise that what counts here is giving something. Yep. Um, and it's not the main thing is not having a jacket, um, but rather the main thing is sharing whatever you've got Exactly, so everyone feels that everyone has part and that sort of symbolises that unity in the group. Everyone's got part of this jacket and that part is meaningful and it doesn't matter that no one has a jacket. Yeah, that that is really a a very different way of looking at an object to, to the way one would look at I mean a jacket normally when you when you're faced with a jacket you think about its functional role right you think about it as uh, something you need to keep warm when it's cold outside um, but then to think of a jacket as something you rip apart in order to share with others then clearly the object has a, a very different um, yeah. role to play in this interaction than it would have in, a, in, a, in an ordinary context when you're thinking about keeping warm but then also that's interesting because it indicates something about how we interact with objects that mean something to us in in a in a more emotional way right so lots of objects that we encounter every day they don't mean anything to us and we have no particular emotional link to them either but here then really there seems to be something about the bond amongst the people who share the jacket amongst themselves but then also there seems to be something about their relationship to um, the items are being shared i.e. in this case and just bits of cloth Um, but it seems important that each one of them can have a bit and then somehow 
that creates a sort of attachment that each one of them has to the particular bit of cloth. Yes, and to each other, and to each other through the cloth. We find, for example, that um, most of us have heard about Papalithic art from Western Europe and these amazing kind of sculptures and amazing cave art. But actually, many of the sculptures were deliberately broken up and fragmented. And of course, in museums, we've pieced them all back together. But actually, for the people at the time, making something and then deliberately destroying it and putting it into lots of pieces was part of what that object was about. That is really, really interesting. Yes, it's a very different take on, well, yeah, what the object is about, right? So we would think the object should be retained in its entirety and should by no means be smashed up. But then really, if you think about the object as something to be shared, yeah. then you will smash it up and share it amongst everybody. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very, very So in some ways, people in the distant past thought about objects in the same way that we do. But there are also ways in which people think about objects that seem to us, although we can understand it, to be quite different. Okay, so we we asked at the the start, you know, in our introduction, why do human beings become so attached to their possessions? You know, is it something inherited from our ancestors? And we've been talking today about the hand axe, and yeah, it does seem that it is something inherited from a very distant past in which the kind of tools we made even for practical things, um, influence people around us. It displayed our care and certain things about our reputation and, and who we are in what we made from well over two million years ago. Uh, and as we started to give gifts to other people, they could actually help us survive. Yeah, so clearly this object here right in front of us, this hand axe, uh, is about much more than survival and it's much more special than I thought at the beginning so when you showed it to me first it looked like just a bit of stone but now I do understand much better how someone must have spent a lot of time chipping away um, at all these um, little what do we call them not incisions but bits where it's been kind of chipped off uh, so I guess there's there's been a lot of time spent by someone in the long distant past trying to shape this object the way it's shaped now that's in itself is quite impressive that we have this trace of someone's hard and long and patient work in this object here so this hand axe certainly has its own interesting story doesn't it it was left behind uh several hundred thousand years ago and then someone in the last century found it in a gravel pit in swanscombe and from there, it's been stored in the museum and it, it's with us today and we're looking at it now. Um, and that's its own interesting and quite unique story. And that is uh, what we'll be thinking a bit more uh, theoretically about next week when we think more about meaningful objects and their stories. And I think we will see how um, the story that comes with an object is very important in making the object meaningful. The Story of Things is brought to you by the University of York's Festival of Ideas, presented by Penny Spikins and Dorothea DeBoose, with contributions from Taryn Bell, produced by James Legros and Matthew Edwards, with music written and performed by Richard Evans, with special thanks to the York Museum and University of York's Department of Theatre, Film and Television.